This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. What's up, y'all? We are back with another edition of the DMVR Rams podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download it today. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up. It is Sunday, April 9th. I hope everybody was able to have a nice weekend, whether it was for holiday reasons, whether it was just watching some good golf. Maybe you were fortunate enough to watch the Avalanche broadcast tonight. I have Comcast, so I got blacked out on TNT. Didn't see that one coming. Just outrageous that we're basically four years into this whole dispute and still cannot watch this generational team. I mean, it's it's heartbreaking. But we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to be focusing on that on the podcast. We are going to be talking about the latest recruiting news for CSU football. We're going to dive into the running back position. Could be a little bit world could be extremely thin there. We'll also talk about John Canzano's latest column from today, which mentions talking to the Mountain West commissioner about potential expansion possibilities for the league, about what could happen if uh, San Diego State is going to leave, all of that kind of stuff. And then I will give what I would say would be the best expansion possibilities in the current climate, given you know, where teams are, are currently aligned after all of the, the moves that have happened these last couple of years. I'll talk about the teams that the Mountain West could maybe realistically look at. I'll be honest, it's pretty bleak, especially when you really start trying to think of the best options, but it is something that we're going to have to think about because, you know, the possibility of the Aztecs leaving, the possibility of the Mountain West needing to add reinforcements just to stay relevant in this ever-changing landscape, it, it's certainly all on the table. But I did want to start with just an intro shouting out CSU football for the grit and glory debut. It's really great to have this kind of access into the program for the fans. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go check it out on YouTube. Type in CSU football grit and glory. It's going to be a series, I think, weekly. Um, maybe not quite that. We'll see. But it's just a behind the scenes video series, a look into the CSU football program really next level access, hard knocks-esque. And it's just really cool to see what is possible when you allow access inside your program from a creative standpoint. It makes just, I mean, it opens all kinds of different doors. And CSU football fans were fortunate to have the grind back in the day. Unfortunately, certain coaches didn't understand the, the value of having something like this and being able to showcase your university getting able to or being able to show off your facilities, your weight room, your locker room, training facility, everything else that CSU has spent a lot of money on upgrading in the last decade. But you also give the fans and the people at home an opportunity to really get to know these players a little bit with the inside interviews. Same goes for the staff and you get to see what they're like working behind the scenes, what they're like day to day. I mean, people that are not into sports would probably look at us like we're all crazy, but We love to see how the sausage gets made. Sports fans, we crave that behind-the-scenes access. 
And I'm not just talking practice highlights and shots like that, because you're always going to get some of that on Twitter if there's a big play. But I'm talking more about the position room meetings with like seeing Chad Savage, the receivers coach, break down what's happening in practice with all the different receivers and, you know, telling them to never stop on a play, even if you mess up, even if you run the wrong route or do something, just keep going hard because practice is the time where you can make mistakes. It's all about effort, though. But just getting a little slice of what that is like in those position rooms, I think that's a really cool opportunity for the fans. And it kind of allows them to see what it's like, not just when you're practicing on the field, but but what those private meetings are like with their coaches and what those conversations are like. I thought it was really cool the way that it started with Jay Norvell talking to his staff about whether the the current practice format was ideal or not, if they were getting enough time with their players based on you know practicing in the morning and if they should look into the afternoon. And obviously there's the academic side that you have to factor into that and class schedules and the million other things that coaches and programs have to factor in, what they have to plan for. It's not all just football like the NFL. It's a really challenging balance to strike. And I just think it's it's really great to be able to give the fans this type of access and allow them to see what that balance is like. Just give them a better understanding of how it all works, whether it's hard knocks or the new open swing series or the F1 drive to survive or even last chance you uh, the, the Amazon Prime stuff. It's incredibly clear that sports fans crave this type of behind-the-scenes content, especially on the video side. And while after watching that, I think most with common sense would be like, yeah, that's a huge win for the program. Why wouldn't everyone be doing this? The truth is there are a lot of staffs that just won't let this type of behind-the-scenes access happen. Even if it's an in-house product, they just won't let it. They're too paranoid, too old school. But... From day one, it's just always been clear that Norvell just gets it in that regard, whether it's opening up access to the media or even to the general public for spring practices. From my perspective, it's just been really nice to work with a coach who gets it, who's not completely paranoid, who lets us, you know, walk around the practice field and stuff. But this is next level. It's just a great way to showcase your staff, your players, what you're doing, what you're building and working towards but just giving the fans a little bit more of an opportunity to see what it's like day to day to take them behind the scenes. I think it only makes their commitment, their emotional investment that much stronger. I'm not saying it's going to have the same impact that drive to survive has had for F1, but it just creates an opportunity to reach an even wider audience and and bring people in that potentially weren't as interested before the, the people that are diehards are giving them what they crave getting to see how the sausage is made, what it's really like. No matter how you look at it, this is just a great move by CSU. It was executed tremendously. I can't wait to see the next one. Love that quote from Norvell talking about practicing outside. We practice outside at CSU. So if you wake up and you see it snowing and you're wondering, are we practicing outside? We are. That guy just has so much charisma with his delivery. A tremendous public speaker. But shout out to CSU, Grit and Glory. Really, really cool. Check that out on YouTube if you'd missed it. Really worth your time. But we're going to move on. We're going to talk a little recruiting update for CSU, talk about the running back position, and then we'll talk about potential conference realignment options for the Mountain West and the John Canzano column, which dropped this morning. 
Real quick, though, now is a perfect time to get in on all of the action over at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I had a lot of fun watching the Masters because just kind of on a whim, I happened to bet on two guys, and they were John Rahm and Brooks Kepka, who ended up being in contention for most of the tournament. In the end, Rahm ended up winning. He's just so cool and, and collected in the crunch time. Kepka kind of pres- uh, crumbled under the pressure, unfortunately, after being great for three days. But just having a little bit of skin in the game always makes it a little bit more entertaining, a little bit more interesting over the course of the weekend. I love the high-level golf. I love anything you know, when it comes to competition at the highest level. But now is a great time to get in on the NBA No Sweat SGP. You can design a same-game parlay up to $10, and if your bet does not hit, you are going to get that bet back. Uh, baseball is in action. You can fade the Rockies if you want, or maybe bet with your heart and you know they'll, they'll get the occasional hot home stand here or there. To quote Angels in the outfield, hey, it could happen, right? And they meant win a World Series. I'm talking about simply win a game, but you got to have realistic, realistic views when it comes to that team. Whatever you're betting on, make sure you're doing it over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app, sign up with the code DNVR. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with that code DNVR. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. I also want to shout out our friends over at Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to have better gut health. I've had issues with it for well over a decade, but I'm not a big pill guy. You know, a million different supplements. That's just not me. I don't have time for it. I still eat like a 12-year-old, so if it tastes terrible, I'm not going to do it. And that's why it's it's just so great that I found AG1 with one scoop. I'm getting 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. It's a great way to help me start my day right. It's a special blend of ingredients supports gut health, nervous system, Uh, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, aging, all the things you should be concerned about. I just wake up every morning, pull it out of the fridge, put it in the bottle that came with it, put eight to 12 ounces of cold water in there, shake it up, boom, good to go right before I take my coffee. It's lifestyle friendly. So whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, you're good there. Less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. If you've ever had a green tea latte, it's kind of what it tastes like to me. Used to drink those all the time, so it's perfect. Costs less than $3 a day, so you're investing in your health and it's cheaper than a cold brew habit. And what's important to recognize is that tons of people take some type of multivitamin, but you need to choose one with high quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. AG1 is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash rams. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash rams to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Cool, cool, cool. Let's talk a little bit of running back action. CSU football about halfway through spring ball now. We're starting to get to the point where I think you're going to be able to get some more legitimate takeaways than you do early on just because you know some of these guys are still learning the system. First couple of practices, basically just getting your feet underneath you. But as you get into these scrimmages and then obviously the spring game, 
that's kind of the best opportunity to gauge the state of the program going into the summer. You don't want to get too carried away. But as Mike Brohart of CSURans.com wrote about offensive line tight ends made a strong impression on Saturday. That's great. I wrote about both of those position groups leading into the scrimmage. So that's what you want to hear if you're a Ram fan. I mean, they did not get enough production out of the tight ends. We've talked about that a lot this spring. They need to be able to attack the middle of the field to open things up for the receivers on the outside to give Clay another option, especially when things are are breaking down, when he's got guys breathing down his neck, just having that reliable option who can maybe break off of his route and you know give the quarterback a target, much like what Kelsey does for Mahomes. And then with the offensive line, I mean, they were basically the worst in football last year, so it would have been hard to be much worse this spring. But the fact that some of these transfers that they brought in seem to be gelling, that's great. When I talked to Clay Millen a while back, he credited the O-line and, and how they were able to deal with pressure, especially as they, they put the pads on on csurams.com. Again, the piece from Brohard, he focused on the O-line and Norvell had a lot of hype for them. I unfortunately could not be there in attendance at the scrimmage on Saturday, had every intention of being there, had a family situation come up, not really comfortable getting into the specifics of that as far as this podcast goes, but it was a long weekend. Um, Disappointing because I would have liked to have been able to go into the scrimmage in a little bit more detail. That said, I think the biggest takeaways are clearly O-line continues to make a strong early impression, which, you know, that doesn't mean they're going to have the best line in the Mountain West or anything, but the line did get pretty much torched all last spring. So that was a pretty good indication of what was to come. The fact that they're at least seemingly doing better than they were last year. That's great, especially against the, the type of talent that you're facing on the defensive side. The other big piece of news though, that came out of the scrimmage was Keegan Hollis's injury. He was the only scholarship running back active on the roster right now, so it wouldn't shock me if we see maybe a a position change at some point. CSU did pick up a couple of verbal commits, though, so that is encouraging, and that's what we're going to talk about right now. On April 1st, KJ Edwards, 5'10", 180-pound running back out of Victor Valley College in California, announced that he was committed to CSU. On their website, it has him listed with 162 carries for 1,031 yards and 11 touchdowns in eight total games. That is an average of 128 yards per game. If you look at his game logs, he had a two-week stretch in which he totaled 576 yards and seven touchdowns. Very Capri Bibbs-esque. But basically, looking at their schedule, it seems like their team was terrible. One in seven in the eight games listed on their website. That said... KJ was seemingly their entire offensive production. When you look at his huddle, it has some different stats listed. So maybe they're just, they need to update the the website at Victor Valley College. That's most certainly possible. As far as the takeaways go from watching him on huddle, downhill runner that doesn't get too cute, just kind of hits the gas and goes. He does show some elusivity and quick feet in traffic, good vision as a ball carrier. But again, though, it's it's really not getting too cute. It's a lot of one cut and then getting upfield. I, I love that about him. When he gets to the sideline really, really fast, has a next gear too that he seems to hit whenever he hits that second level of defenders, just outruns every DB on the screen. There isn't a ton on the huddle film, but he does appear to have pretty solid hands as a pass catcher as well. And with what I've seen from him in open space, I think he could be really effective in that regard. Just a home run type hitter, the kind of guy that 
when you get the ball in his hands, he has the ability to go for, you know, 25 plus on any given touch. Obviously it'll be a pretty big step up in competition and he'll have to prove that he can do it at this level too. But with the future kind of uncertain regarding Avery Morrow and what his status will be and a potential injury now to Keegan Hollis, again, uh, credit to CSURams.com on that one. But depth could definitely be an issue at that position. You're feeling pretty excited about the future as far as Damian Henderson and Justin Marshall go, the really talented incoming freshmen that will be here this summer. Both of those guys, really versatile athletes with high-level traits appear to have ceilings through the roof. It's just, it's hard to be impactful at that position as a true freshman, basically six weeks after you get to school. So just having some guys with collegiate experience, albeit at the junior college level, could be really important, especially if there is a scenario in which you're missing Morrow and Keegan Hollis to start the year. And I don't know if that's going to be the case for either of those guys. They could both be in the the lineup week one. I'm not sure, but I would have been open to exploring the possibility of adding another veteran if both those guys were ready week one. So if there was a scenario in which they were both missing, I think it's clear that you need a little bit more experience. It's good that they've been able to go out and, and get a couple of guys. I mean, KJ Edwards, like I said, really, really intriguing. I love that he's a downhill runner. Doesn't have the size of somebody like Avery Morrow, but you know, maybe a little bit more versatile as a pass catcher too. That would be interesting to see. The other commit, though, on April 2nd, Jordan Smith, he's listed at 5'10", 200 pounds, is actually a D1 bounce back. He's even older. Um, started or three games, played in six at Eastern Illinois in 2020. He can get that season of eligibility back. He had 55 attempts for 278 yards, just over five yards per carry that year. Two touchdowns, also had four catches for 11 yards, was twice named the OVC Freshman of the Week. As far as I can find, he sat out the 2021 season, but he played for Saddleback Junior College this past fall, had 37 carries for 144 yards and two touchdowns. Unfortunately, as far as huddle film goes, I can't find anything more recent than his high school film, and that's going you know all the way back to 2019. But definitely explosive, definitely a home run hitter, runs hard, didn't shy away from contact, good vision, quick feet, all that stuff. I just talked about how hard it is to be productive as a freshman at the running back position. So the fact that he was able to do so in 2020, albeit potentially under wonky circumstances, I don't know what the, what their room looked like. You know, maybe they had some guys opt out. Maybe there were injuries. I don't know. Maybe he just stood out as a freshman. And if that's the case, that would definitely be encouraging. But like I said, there just is not a ton of film on him. And while his high school film is encouraging and coming out of Centennial High School program in Nevada produces a ton of talent, that's encouraging as well. There just does not seem to be a ton of info about this guy out there. I will work my best to get both of these dudes on the podcast in the near future. But I think finding some backs with collegiate experience, even at the JUCO level, is really important going into the season because you have, at least on paper, everything else kind of lining up for you. You know, the O-line seems to be gelling finally. The wide receivers are in position to take a big step. You went out and you got a bunch of talent at tight end. Clay Millen, hopefully, you know, going to make that jump in year two. But you have no questions about his arm talent at this point. It's just a matter of the offense coming together. And a lot of that will have to do with the pieces around him. You just want to see, you know, the offense score a lot more this year, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But running back, probably the biggest question mark for the offense going into the season 
We'll have to monitor Keegan Hollis's health. We'll have to monitor the legal situation and potential disciplinary scenarios for uh, Morrow and CSU football. Who knows what will happen there? I'm not going to speculate. But I do think it will be interesting to see what happens with this position, see who is ultimately getting the majority of the carries come, you know, like the second week of fall camp. But even the next couple of weeks and in the spring game, it's just going to be an interesting situation to monitor. And that's what we'll do before we move on and talk about the column from John Canzano and Mountain West realignment possibilities. When you get hurt, Backus and Shanker is here to help. Backus and Shanker wins for Colorado families. They have been helping those who are seriously injured in Colorado for more than 25 years. They're free until they win money in your case. No upfront fee to speak with you about your case. No fee while they work on your case. No fee unless they win your case and win money for you. Backus and Shankers won over $1 billion for their clients now with even more locations serving all of Colorado, including neighborhood offices in Denver, Aurora, Inglewood, and Fort Collins. Backus and Shanker has the strength and power to win your case with more than 30 lawyers and 100 staff. Backus and Shanker helps with all kinds of injury cases when you weren't at fault, car accident, motorcycle, rideshare, pedestrians, trucks. They can even help if you're injured at work. Call Backus and Shanker at 222-2222 to find out if you have a case for free. Backus and Shanker wins. Additionally, professional rugby has returned to Rugby Town USA as your hometown American Raptors have begun its six-match homestand against six South American rugby teams that make up the brand new Super Rugby Americas competition. Check out that full schedule at AmericanRaptors.com. But if you are looking to keep up to date with all things rugby in this area, maybe you just want to learn more about the sport, I highly recommend that you follow DNVR Rugby. That is at DNVR underscore rugby. You should also follow my guy at Colton Strickler, C-O-L-T-O-N-S-T-R-I-C-K-L-E-R. He will get you up to date with everything that you know. You can learn rugby with his 101 rugby pods. He has exclusive interviews with athletes and coaches from around the sport. He provides betting advice on the super rugby. Anything you need to know about the sport, Colton Strickler is the man. Tickets are just $10 and children 12 and under are free. If you can't make it, watch all the American Raptors matches live on ESPN+. Plus. See you in Rugby Town, USA. All right. According to the most recent reporting from John Canzano, you can find that at johnconzano.com. Mountain West Conference Commissioner Gloria Navarez told him on Saturday that the league is exploring a number of expansion scenarios. Mountain West has been meeting regularly to survey the landscape and explore expansion options, she said. And they are also very aware that with the possibility of San Diego State dipping for the Pac-12, maybe some other schools leaving as well, they have to be ready for those scenarios too in which they lose a member and must react. You can't get caught with your pants around your ankles metaphorically in that scenario. You've really got to be ready for anything. According to Kanzano's reporting, San Diego State already has one foot out the door uh, their president at their celebration for the Final Four appearance even kind of dropped a hint, according to this report, saying, who knows, maybe in the near future we will be somewhere else. There have been a couple of other reports that have come out that basically have said the SDSU admin have been very public with their hinting that they are leaving for something bigger. The other piece of interesting information from this report was that Big 12 Commissioner Brent Yormack allegedly has been in consistent contact with Fresno State over the last five months. They want a West Coast presence. Fresno State could be that. According to Kanzano, Boise State could also be an eventual Big 12 target, although he is told there has not been frequent and regular contact there. From a CSU perspective, if the Mountain West were to lose 
San Diego State and Fresno State and or Boise State, that would be absolutely devastating. I mean, at, at that point, you have a shell of a conference, and I would imagine teams like CSU Air Force would explore all possibilities, like moving to the AAC or something like that. Um, the fact that Fresno is in this conversation and is is wild to me. I will say it's a really competitive football program. I understand that they have solid fans that support that football program, but it's, that's it. I mean, they've had basketball programs in the last decade leave for UTEP while being successful because that's how little interest there was in that program. And he felt like there was no room for, for growth. I just, aside from being in California, I really don't get it. Fresno is not San Diego. That airport is really, really tiny. Other than just being in the Pacific time zone, I don't really understand the appeal. And if that's really your biggest priority, why not just go with UNLV? Just take Vegas. But we'll have to see what happens there. I think the Pac-12 adding San Diego State is a much more realistic scenario, something that could happen much sooner than Fresno State getting that Big 12 invite. I don't foresee the Big 12 doing much until after they see what the Pac-12 does and whether they feel like they need to move or not. But shifting things back to CSU's perspective, I mean, it really comes down to the fact that this was a huge missed window over the last half decade or so. I mean, really the last five, seven years. If CSU had continued to compete the way they did under Jim McElwain, if they hadn't been scooped up by the Big 12 last time when they went looking for expansion once it was announced that OU and Texas would be leaving for the SEC, I think they would clearly be the top G5 candidate at this point. But what's working against CSU at the moment is the fact that the Pac-12 and the Big 12 already have representation in the mountain time zone. So you're not providing access into a new market, adding more TV possibilities the way Fresno would, albeit I somewhat roll my eyes at that just because I don't think Fresno would be this big, huge TV addition other than literally you are adding a Pacific time zone. Yes, you can have those 8.30 games on ESPN or whatever, but is anybody going to actually watch them? Who knows? But CSU just has not been relevant enough to be in the conversation. They have not been competitive enough, just have not won enough, point blank, period. And you never know. Things could change fast. If they got hot over these next couple of years under Norvell, maybe they become that hot G5 candidate and they're able to get scooped up by who even knows at this point, the Pac-12, the Big 12, the Big 10 even. (laughs) Who knows? But I think it's going to be really interesting to monitor how the Mountain West reacts in this landscape, especially if they do happen to lose San Diego State. Do you just stand pat at 10 full-time members, 11 for football with Hawaii? Do you expand elsewhere? In the past, it seems like expansion has not been a super popular plan in the Mountain West just because it's really not going to add much more TV money but you may have no other choice, especially if things continue to, to shift the way they are. There could potentially be some strength in numbers. That could also be the undoing of your league too. I mean, that's basically what killed the whack and helped form the Mountain West is there were just too many people and not enough pieces of the pie. I wonder if that's going to happen for the American. They're expanding to 14. They added six members from Conference USA after losing those schools to the Big 12. But is that actually better for the conference as a whole? I don't know. Probably for some of the smaller schools, I would imagine, yes. But if you're someone like Memphis, are you super stoked about having to share money with North Texas? I don't know. But as far as expansion routes go, 
that would probably be my top route for the Mountain West is if you could take one of the top one or two schools from the remaining AAC conference of Memphis and probably UTSA now. They're technically going over from Conference USA, but I just think that would be the the other most appealing school from the Mountain West. Regionally, it makes a little bit more sense than you know trying to expand into UAB or the East Coast or something like that. The travel costs wouldn't be quite as intense. On top of that, you get back into Texas with a program, at least on the football side, that has really made great strides under Jeff Trailer these past couple of years. I think being in Texas would be a big win from a recruiting standpoint. So they make a lot of sense. And then with Memphis, you just have a bigger program that's usually competitive in football that has the potential to be great in basketball. You're losing that with San Diego State walking out the door. I think it'd be nice to be able to have another solid program like that in the league. And ultimately, you'd basically be kneecapping the AAC, who already on kind of wobbly ground as it is after losing UCF and Houston and Cincinnati. At that point, I think the Mountain West would very clearly be the best other league. If you want to frame it as the Power Five and everybody else, they'd probably be that sixth conference looking in whether that's actually a relevant place in the modern landscape, I'm not sure, you know, that that still might not be enough to stay relevant, but at least you're trying something at that point And you're also wounding the AAC in the process. You could always go the FCS route, you know, programs like Sacramento state on the West coast have been really competitive, but they would have to be willing to make a pretty sizable investment in athletics to make the jump. And the other problem there is there's going to be opposition from those West Coast programs like San Jose State, like Fresno State that are recruiting in the same region. They're not going to want to promote some FCS schools. So if you did do that, I think it would probably have to be North Dakota State. Everything that I've ever read on the Montanas is that they want to stick together and they're not really interested in making the jump because they know it's just not very realistic with where they are. But it does seem like North Dakota State is interested in jumping to the FBS I think they would have to be in the Mountain West or maybe the MAC. Those would be the only two conferences that would really make sense. Competitively, I think they'd be fine. You know, football, basketball right off the bat would be able to compete in this conference. But the challenge there is, do you have a travel partner for them? Do you bring them with South Dakota? Do you really want to have to, you know, work through the logistics of getting to both of those places in the winter? That can be a huge challenge. So logistically, there's some struggles there. And if I'm going to point out that Fresno is not the most desirable place to go to, I think it's fair to say, I don't know if Fargo is exactly the tourist capital of the world, but you're at least adding what's been a really consistent winner with a fan base that lives and breathes for NDSU. But again, just kind of going off of what I've read, it it seems like NDSU is getting kind of bored, at least their fan bases with the FCS domination, I think one of those times where like they've basically done everything they can do. So I could see that being play and I think it would be really fun. Again, I don't know if it all of a sudden is going to make the mountain West, the most nationally relevant conference. If you're going to be dominating TV numbers or anything like that. But I do think there would be interest in North Dakota state versus Boise state, even on a national level, those programs have some name recognition. They've been competitive and I really do think it could be a lot of fun. How realistic that is. Who knows? but they're going to have to be open to anything and they're going to have to be ready to potentially take a gamble on some of these schools in ways that they wouldn't have in the past. We're in a time for college athletics where it's evolve or die, you know, get with the times or get left behind. And you constantly have to find ways to 
shake it up and make your league interesting and draw attention and maybe, you know, adding somebody like North Dakota State is the way to do that. I'd still love to see them somehow figure out a way to add Gonzaga and maybe like a Wichita State if they got bored in the AAC and just really lean into basketball. And maybe you add Memphis as a full-time member too, and you could really have a deep league with a lot of different uh, time zones too. But it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with the Pac-12 when they get that media deal, what ultimately happens with San Diego State, and then the dominoes that fall after that. Right now, we're just kind of standing here looking at the dominoes. They're all set up, waiting to fall. Somebody's just got to push. But that's all I've got for today. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Again, I hope everybody had... Happy Easter weekend, a little less stressful than mine, but we'll be back with more content throughout the week. Shout out to all of you. Much love. Shout out to the homies at DraftKings Sportsbook as well. Use that code DMVR when you sign up. Peace. Scummy like Martin Scarelli, turn jam into jelly, then drink it like juice. But water's the truth, so I sip on that too. Skinny looking kid with no car keys, like the only thing I drive is RCRV. He's got the stash like Steve Harvey. Oh, I'm gnarly.